This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. I'm Allie Mays. I am a crack baby of Miss Pat the Pat Down. Um, Chris is out for honeymoon timing. As we all know, he got married um, to Reagan. Um, he also has laryngitis, you guys, so he can't use his voice at all. He doesn't use need to use his voice at all. But I am here to do you know, the pat down real quick. Um, give a little, little bit of my favorite uh, bonus episode. My favorite bonus episode would have to be the part two with Jordan Cooper right after the um, the Miss Pat show uh, aired on television, well, on BC Plus. Um, and I would have to say that's my favorite simply because it was it was some real talks on there. Like we got to hear how Miss Pat felt about certain fam of certain family member, and then we also got to hear like ah, my favorite part was when Chris gave his. Um, his background of how he felt about what she had commented on and normally we get a lot of laughs here on the pat down but there are going to have there are a bunch of episodes where you'll get some real talk some real conversations and that conversation really blew my mind because I have a lot of issues with family parents um and just hearing that from an older person to older people um, hearing, you know, you don't have to have those people. If those people are bringing you down, you don't have to have those people. I don't care how much bloodline they are to you. But that would the bonus episode with Jordan Cooper would have to be one of my favorite ones. Um, the pat down is amazing. I love the pat down. It gives you a laugh. My favorite thing to say when I'm talking about the pat down is come bust a nut in laughter with us. That is the slogan from me. Well, Miss Pat said it, but I use it all the time. But I love that um, we're we're a big family. You join the Patreon, then after you join the Patreon, you join our Facebook group, and our Facebook group is like a family. Like we all were being raised by Miss Pat. We got two uncles. Well, if you're their age range, you brother and sister, but they're not my age range. I'm younger younger than them, so I call Dion and Chris my uncles, and then of course I call Miss Pat my mom. So you know, it, it's just it's a family. It's a family. If you've never had a family before, join us. You will love it here. And if you have a family but want more, join us anyway. Welcome to another episode of the Pat Down, and I'm still here with Jordan, Chris, and motherfucking Dion Curry. That sounds famous, don't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is now that you said it. <laughs> and we're talking about what we talking about, Chris. Uh, five, what scenes oh. in the show, like oh. real life? Yeah. Well, we're talking about what scenes in the show is real life. How to not give a fuck about family members who do you wrong. I had to let one go. I cried, but I let that bitch go like frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. 
<laughs> Good thing it didn't sound anything like it, so we don't have to pay Disney royalties. Right, I'm <laughs> that ain't Disney. That's Disney. <laughs> well, isn't that isn't that how Frozen said "Let It Go"? Yeah, she she did sing it, no, like, just in a completely different tune, rhythm, <laughs> <laughs> melody. <laughs> Whatever, let the motherfuckers go. Stay tuned after the music so you can hear Chris say, uh, "I don't what? know." Let's hear. It. What do you got? <laughs> He wish he could hold his dick in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Better get up, get out, and tune into this podcast. It's Pat spit the truth, spit the real facts. Nothing but the ugly, classy at the same time. Pat got the flavor, these are not the same lines. It's the politics, she been on the real grind. It could be pretty but ugly at the same time. Just tune in, put your lock on the spin down. Ain't no need for the wait and turn her up now. What you talk about? It's real though, and cut the game, you get no play like Nintendo You waste the time, turn it up, nothing but the ugly Straight off the top, everything she say, you know it's funny Full blast, this is taste of the future Listen on your iPhone, on your desktop computer Share it, tweet it, ain't no way to beat it Nothing but the ugly, turn it up and gon' repeat it I, I really enjoyed the auditions, I tell you um, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing <laughs> I was like I don't know what to look for. How you know a motherfucker can act when they read out loud? Don't we need to be in the scene? This is what I'm thinking to myself. So I'm like, I'm just going to make Jordan have it. And um, nobody really sparked my energy, sparked me until Junebug walked in. When he walked in, I laid up and I was like, that's my fucking Junebug. I knew from the time he walked in, from the time I looked at his picture, I said, Lord, please let him act. And I don't Google people, so I don't want to know what you did before or how you did it. Because, you know, a person can do something bad and then they come audition for your show. To me, that'll be in your head. And then because I'm new at this and I didn't want to hold anything against anybody. So when he walked in, I was like. That my motherfucking Jumbo. I don't want nobody up. Damn, I got them Jumbo. So every other kid that walked in, I was like, please get the fuck out of here. I already got my Jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mo, get this nigga out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that that's the I think that's the only one I really cast was Jumbo. He he lit me up because I just felt like I felt like that was a middle class kid. I felt like he was rugged enough. I felt like his blackness was real. And I just lit up over that kid. And then he get to the set and he don't even fucking talk to me. It's not that he didn't like me. What it was with Theo was that Theo is not used to, this was his first time working with a predominantly black cat and black producers and black like he's used to being on a set where it's like you know i do my job i'm seen i'm not heard i'm seen i'm not i do my job i leave and i think that we had created such a such a family on set that like it took him like a a beat maybe like an episode or two to be like oh i can be myself like i can be myself here like i'm just this is just this is us like i can be myself and when he started to get comfortable, now I'll tell you that boy is so talented. That boy is so talented. Like his his dry humor is just impeccable. The whole cast is just they, they just they just nobody phones in. Nobody phones it in. Everybody puts in work. Yeah, he was he was he was. I mean, he was once he let loose. One day I was like, Juma, you really a lame to me. He a lame. I ain't no lame. 
I'm a professional. I said, I said, no, I said, no, you ain't, you ain't no nigga. He said, I ain't no nigga. I said, yes, you will. <laughs> and from that day on, he kind of like just opened up. And I was like, oh, he do have a personality, but he was very professional, very fucking professional. And I was like, because I really thought once he got there, the first time you, the first, the pilot, you didn't know. But when you, the nine episodes, I was like, I don't think this kid like us. That's what I was thinking to myself. I said, he don't like me. Then plus he put all that shitty shit in his mouth, uh, uh, Jordan. So I really felt like, I was like, no fucking, he delivered these lines like really well. (laughs) 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 And then he said, "Uh, I never worked on a set like this. I'm just trying to be professional. I said, well, let your hat down. Well, you ain't got to walk around with no con carb up your ass. And he fell out laughing. (laughs) It's just crazy. <laughs> but in the end, you know, you look at him, he started dancing, he loosened up a lot. And it was just, it was fun. I mean, and that's what I like about it. Everybody's professional. Nobody has an attitude. When you agree? Yeah. yeah. No attitude. No drama. Nowhere in the cast or the crew. No drama. No drama. None whatsoever. And, and it, it made it really easy. Other than COVID, that was our only fucking drama. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, did that? Did there? Um, did like? Is there anybody who like you guys know who who don't know us who've like seen it who have like questions or anything like that? I'm so curious to see what people think. Are you in the Facebook group for the Crack Babies? I don't uh, think he yeah, is. I think so. Okay, yeah. Dion asked a question, and there were a bunch of questions. We answered them on the last episode. You should listen to this podcast. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> did you put Did you put the last episode on already? No, not yet. No, no. I was about to say. No, see, I'm just I'm fucking with you. <laughs> how much? I, I wanted to ask you, like, how much of list, How much of the podcast do you listen to? How much of that factored into you writing the show and stories? Like, was it like a, a guide for you, or did you just not listen to it at all? No, I didn't really listen to it that much. I probably have heard probably like ten episodes. Probably ten episodes because we had already because we had already shot the pilot before she started the podcast or had done right. the pilot before she started the podcast. So I had only listened to like a few, and I was like, I, I thought first of all, I thought that she was a genius for wanting to start it because I was like, you damn right, like you don't depend on these white folks for your money, like get like start your own, do your thing, and so. Every episode that I would listen to, I would just like fall out laughing at how simple, like it was just start from like a simple kernel. And then the four of y'all together or the three of y'all together, it's just you like. You count me twice. <laughs> Gariana was there. Yeah, Gariana was. Yeah. I'm talking about when Gariana was on there. You know what I mean? Like y'all, y'all just had this like natural, this natural kind of back and forth that just, just created comedy gold. And I can't She's- wait for people to find out more about the podcast even after this this. is like pulled stories out of her like i think from like i had a conversation with miss pat before we started this and i don't know if i mentioned on the last episode or not but like miss pat you're very sweet to me on um whitney's podcast just talking about how much i've grown but like if you go back to that conversation you and i had two years ago bob and tom we had just shot like something some test thing for for an acting thing and you were just talking about the show and i don't know if it's going to get go anywhere and i'm not sure if i can do this like you really had a lot of self-doubt but i think between the podcast the book the tv show like from where you're at now versus that first conversation almost three years ago actually like it's amazing how much all the these three things have pulled out of you and then 
it's like pulled those stories out of you and then refined you and like made your backbone like steel. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how much, how much of these three projects of being mined by other people for stories, how much has that like changed you over the last three years? Um, just a rejection. I think I was, I, I, I've always been pretty strong, but I think a lot of the rejection from new people in my life, which was Hollywood, mm-hmm. really fired me the fuck up. I mean, there was days I went home and threw shit down. I'm like, these motherfuckers don't get it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you just back and forth uh, with, with Hollywood. And, you know, I'm, first of all, I never let anybody have that much control in my life once I broke away from my mom and my baby daddy. I've always had control in my life and I don't like to beg. So when you go to Hollywood, you got to beg, you got to wait and somebody else is controlling your life. So that shit made me strong. And I was like, well, I don't know if this TV shit going to work. And Rogan was studying saying, get a podcast. So I just went and started a podcast. I said, I build my own little empire while they're waiting to make up their fucking minds. And then I just started waking up in the middle of the night by my bed at the house. And I would write down ideals for different things. I was like, hey, Jordan, what you think about this? What you think about this? So in my mind, I started to leave the Miss Pat show behind because I didn't really know if it was going. We didn't know it was going. We didn't know what it was going to do. Right, Jordan? Yeah. Jordan has started to move on to other things. It was just a waiting game. So, I mean, that that's why, I mean, I think that's made me stronger in with the at the whole Hollywood shit. I, if you if you bullshitting me, I was like, hey, I tell my team, I said, don't sugarcoat a no to me. Don't lie to me. If they say, if they say we don't like me pat because she's too fat, call and tell me that. And it's up to me to lose weight if I want to work with them. Well, well, you've talked about the book, like how many like the book was did that set the stage for a lot of this stuff? Because I think you've said in the past that like you hadn't told a lot of the stories in the book to anybody until is it Jeannie Ann or Jeannie? Janine Janine opened up a lot of that stuff in me. Yeah. And there's still a lot of stuff I want to tell. And then there's a lot of stuff that I be, I'm beginning to remember. I learned this when you've been when when uh when you've been hurt. Uh, tragic shit happened in your life. Your brain is programmed to lock shit away to protect you to live in your daily life. But as you, as as I started to heal, my brain started to open up to new stories. And I'm like, the fuck is this real? And sometimes I call my family member. Do y'all remember this shit? And I do that a lot now because now my memory is starting to come back from so many different things in my childhood. But for so long, the shit was locked down. Because I guess my brain was protecting my everyday life. Yeah. So yeah. I, you can expect a lot of stories to come out of my head because I saw a lot of shit. Yeah, I mean, Jordan, I had the same experience that you mentioned on Rogan, watching her yell at her ex. Like, it didn't just feel like she was acting. Like, it felt really cathartic. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was, and that's why I was so emotional because it was just like watching a healing process. It was literally like watching a healing process. And it was just so beautiful to watch because that was the thesis of the show for me, like beyond the multicam, beyond the, the real language, beyond the real situations. Whenever somebody asked me what, what the show is about, I would say this, this, this show is about a woman who comes from a broken background, trying her best to put the picture of a perfect family together. And that is the show. And that is the healing process. Um, it's, it's like watching this woman get a redo. That's why, you know, her reaction, or I don't know if we can spoil it, but like what happens in episode 10 is so 
big because it's they already like, saved it. Oh. Yeah, the abortion. You're talking about the abortion. Yeah, the abortion. Right. Right. <laughs> That's my favorite thing in the group is when somebody says no spoilers. Like, oh, is that where the, the sister died? <laughs> no, but we, he's, he's already out. But um, yeah. you know, like, when, when I'm keeping when I'm keeping kicking Tammy out, and that you know, it was so crazy because I really felt dead. Yeah, in which it made all of us really fucking sad. Was that a real experience that you had, or is that yeah? I had a cousin. I had a cousin. I don't have many family members that I don't have any family members that I deal with now, other than my brother. But I had a cousin who I was really close to, and I used to go down to Lake Lanier uh, every Fourth of July. And uh, me and this cousin was close. I mean, this cousin I sold dope with her. She sold dope with me. I took her in. She was my ride and fucking die. You know, we was like ace boom coon so when i started to become a comedian we ain't talking as much as we used to but we was always still pretty close so i finally i said hey come and go down here to lake lanier with me bring your family she bring her two sons and then uh all of a sudden she started looking around you know my career is i had the show at the time but it hadn't you know i think i had just started dealing with jordan but we hadn't had a you know Everything wasn't official yet. And so um, my career is starting to change. And I'm at Lake Lanier at a boat house. We rent boats and shit. And so I come, she said, let your son ride my jet ski, the jet skis. And I said, your son is high. He on pills and everything. And I said, no, bitch, my credit card is connected to that jet ski. He get out there and kill somebody. I'm going to jail. I'm going to get sued. I'll leave and I come back to put on a jet ski. She said, bitch, you think you all that. You ain't shit. You fat bitch. You ain't funny. I'm better than you, which floored the shit out of me because I never thought this person felt like that about me. You ain't shit without Gigi. If, if that's my husband. If, if, if you ain't had Gary, you wouldn't be shit. So Jordan took a lot of that language from that fight with her and mm. stuck it into the show, which she said, she, your kid's fat. You fat. You ain't shit. And I was like, I can't believe you feel like that about me. I've been funnier than you. And that shit hurt. That shit hurt. Because then she, the next day, and then she started in text messages she left the, after she left the house, after she left the fucking uh, resort we was at. She started on text messages, just talking shit. Your mama ain't shit. I just running her mouth. And I said, leave me the fuck alone. So... And the next day she wake up and she said, I love you. And I ain't mean to go off like that. And I said, God showed me who you really was. And I always said to myself, I said, when I make it, because she, she she sell used ties in Atlanta. So I said, when I make it, I'm going to help her with her used tie shop. I'm going to buy her this fucking, I think it was an $8,000 her dry jet she needed at her place. I was just, I was all of these things I wanted to do for her because she was like my last family member. And she said that shit. And she went on, then she went on Facebook after I blocked her. You ain't shit, your book ain't real. So finally I said, I unblocked my phone and I said, I'm going to ask you for the last time. Don't ever in your fucking life speak to me again. I said, bitch, you can die. And I wouldn't come to your funeral. I said, because I had no fucking clue you felt like that about me. I said, but since I know, I'm glad God revealed to me who you really motherfucking was. And I said, stay the fuck off my page. So then she go on Courtland page and say, Pat ain't telling y'all the truth. I'm, then she said, I'm going to TMZ on you, bitch. I'm like, bitch, I ain't famous. But if you want to go in there, take the story, please do help me out. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would she say? Oh, 
She was a drug dealer. She shot like what, what, what <laughs> secrets she said, she do you said, have? She said, she said, all of my stories I tell on stage ain't true. My mom was a good person. I said, how? When I got pregnant by a married man at 13. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm arguing with her and I said, I just all I ask you to do is leave me the fuck alone. The leave caterpillars the in the alone. south are aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have not spoken to that cousin probably five years. About five years in there. Yeah. I have not spoken to her and I will. She can die, y'all. And I will go to her funeral because the way she hurt me that day. You don't get to hurt me one time. I'm old. I will never go back. It was sad because we we were down there for I think we were doing the laughing. I think it was the first time I went to Atlanta with you mm-hmm. to do the laughing skull. And we went by our tire shop and I met her. And she was she was fun. She was cool. I could tell how close y'all were. And I remember the day that you um, that that happened and you called me and I could just tell something was off. And you started talking about, you know, how she how she hurt you. And I had never seen anybody hurt you like that. I heard had heard stories about you being hurt, but I had never seen anybody hurt you that way. And I remember just being on the phone with you going. She's really like hurt by this. And, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. But for for you to say you can't ride the jet skis because of financial liability and, you know, that to me, that wouldn't be something that's saying that you're better than me. You know what I mean? Well, she went on to say, how much you paid for this? Uh, Because I rented a a house there, you know, on on Lake Lanier. They got these all these cabins. So I rented a cabin. And so I knew something was wrong because she started questioning, how much this cabin costs? Oh, like $25, uh, $3,000 for a weekend, you know. And then when when she was asking me questions and stuff, and I was like, hey, I put this shit on land where you paid this shit for a year. That's what I do with all my trips. And she went off on me. And I was like, fuck, that's the last family member. Do I take this shit? Because I don't fuck with nobody else but her. She's the only person I fucks with. And I said, nope. You know, I said, God has revealed who you are. And I will take his motherfucking reveal. And I'm going to be smart. You out, bitch. I will say, as a, as a writer, I, I, I like, like just thinking about how human beings work. I can see how she jumped from that to that. Because to her, if like Pat was saying, if, if her child was doing whatever on drugs or whatever that was, and she's around Pat, who she grew up with or who she's been around all her life, and all of a sudden she's coming into money, and then she's seeing she's seeing her family, and her family's all put together, and her family's all loving, and her family's all happy. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm having this weekend to rekindle this thing with my son. I love my son. I want him to have a good time, but he's still effing up, right? And then all of a sudden somebody comes and confronts you and say, your son can't do this. Your son can't do this. I can see how how in her brain that's like, oh, you think you better than me? Like it's a it's a defense mechanism. It's because she doesn't want to be seen. She doesn't want to confront whatever is really happening. So she puts that block up there. It's like, oh, bitch, you think you better than me? And instead she, of dealing instead of dealing with the feelings around her son being a fuck up, attack. Well, it was attack, just the yeah. fact that the nigga was high on a jet ski and right. people <laughs> die at Lake Lanier like crazy. No, right, exactly. But but that's Pat's reasoning. But she doesn't hear. It's like it's like Brene Brown talks about how like we we all have our different narratives of a moment. We can all be we can all be in this moment right now and we can all tell ourselves different narratives about how we feel about each other and what we think about each other. 
And it's like for Pat, it was just the surface. No, bitch, if something happened, like you ain't about to get me in trouble. But for her, it's like, oh, you noticed that my child is this. So therefore- He was in a chair like that. <laughs> right. I'm a little nigga like that driving my motherfucking jet ski. I'm like, he over there, how he sleep right now, girl? What are you talking about? But yeah. so her baby daddy tipped me up on um, Instagram. And he said, yeah, she told me she don't fuck with you. I said, fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You can say whatever you want to say about me. One thing I know is I, I learned this in life, guys. Just because you're born into a family don't mean it's your family. Sometimes you do better by going out and collect people yourselves. Not to say God make any mistakes because they was born to be together. But them niggas grew up to act like a different motherfucking animal. And all my life is all I ever wanted was a family. I worked too hard to build what I got to let a cousin come in and tear down. My shit. When you told me who you, when you showed me who you are, hey, I get the fuck on if I don't like it. I've cutting too many people's off like that. And I mean, it hurt it. I mean, I actually cried when that bitch said all that shit to me. And I ain't no easy bitch to cry. And I was like, wow, I cannot believe she said that shit to me. I literally, even with a niece that I have that I raised, she, I brought her out there and she took those kids that I've custody now, told them all the lies said she slapped me and, and um, uh, I didn't feed them when they was little. I'm like, bitch, I didn't cook. We went to McDonald's every day, ho. And you get me shit. (laughs) I said, you get me shit. Well, I didn't cook, but you know, even this niece, I had to finally let this niece go. I said, because I've tried so much to let you be a part of the family. I wanted you to be a part of my, be a part, be us to be family. And then you go, every chance you get, you pull your your sister, these are her sister kids, to the side and say all of this. Girl, why you say this stuff about me? I've never done that shit to you. I was there for you and your own mama one day. I was a bitch who woke up and took you to track prey. I was a bitch who went without a hairdo so I can drive you to Orlando so you can run in a June Olympic. I'm the one that sacrificed my whole fucking life to end my motherfucking relationship and marriage when he asked me not to and brought you and your four sisters in my house. So we can be a family because I didn't want you guys to experience what I experienced. Now I'm the bad person because your mama ain't shit. So I blocked them. Yeah, it's growth. Like if you <clears throat> if you are from chaos and you don't want to live in chaos anymore, there comes a point where you have to block that chaotic those chaotic people because they're not growing. They're not changing. You have to protect your peace. You know, there there comes a point where you just have to say, you know, I love this person. This person's a parent. This person's a brother. This person's a cousin, whatever. But I've got to keep you at arm's length or not talk to you at all because you just you aren't respecting my boundaries. Like, it makes total sense. It's tough, but you've got to do it to not be a chaotic person anymore. Sometimes that's what saves them. You know, it's like climbing a mountain, literally like climbing a mountain and having somebody behind you with a rope on your back and it's like i gotta let you go so i can get to the top but you've seen what i can do so why don't you do the same thing on the side of me you know what i mean but at some point you just gotta you gotta cut the rope but they like i see my cousins on facebook who i'm still like friends with and then they say stuff like uh yeah some people think they all that and i know they're talking about me and i'm like bitch first of all we didn't even grow up together okay i don't know what the fuck you talking about i don't even fuck with you bitches anyway is that nook so, nook or 
Potty <laughs> TT or she she got she got out of my named cousins. <laughs> Her name is Poutini. <laughs> Poutini. Poutini, yeah. But you know, I just I just learned, you know, as bad as I wanted a family, as bad as I, you know, when I, I I remember when I first met my husband and 16 of them and they were all gathered at his mama house and oh, those people just loved each other. And I always felt like an outsider. I always felt like an outsider because I always wanted what they had. Like they, when you went to my mother-in-law house, those they had the utmost respect for each other. You could tell that they all, all 16 of them motherfuckers loved each other. They lo- and the mom and daddy was no longer together and they all loved each other. And that just, that used to really hurt me. I remember leaving Thanksgiving saying, wow, I wish my family can do that. Even though I was a part of that family, but I didn't feel like I was a part of that family. I wanted that for myself. So that was like really hard for me for a long time. I think until the mama started saying, you know, we love you. Wow. But you know, I, I went through a lot with my in-laws too, so but it it just took a while, but I realized that's what I wanted. How does the cast feel when it comes to that um, feeling of of needing a family and wanting a family? Because you know, watching you guys on set and seeing you guys interact, and you know, after the post show wrap up, I don't know how often you guys talk, but it just watching through the ten episodes, you see the growth, you see the chemistry just get better and better and better. Was that something, Jordan, that you tried to write into the show or did you think that just happened naturally? I think it I think it happened naturally. I think, of course, like in, 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 in the writing, like the you'll get to see more and more of the characters. You'll get to see more and more of their dynamics. It's just natural that way. But I think also the chemistry between them naturally was just magic. It was just magic. And I think that, you know, it. it I like to say that like 75% of the job a lot of times is casting because they make my job easier because I, I know you've seen me on set, you know how I like to mm-hmm. I'll, I'll change stuff around. I'll throw stuff out. And the thing that all of them are masters at is that I can just throw something to them and they'll say it like it's been in the script since day one and they'll play with each other and they, and they don't just take the script to be the script. They know how to build on top of what's written. Um, and, and they learn their lines. That's what you love the most. <laughs> that is what I love the most. That is what I love. Because once you learn, once you know the script, we can play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The script is the beginning. That's the, that's the skeleton. Then we're putting the meat in the bones. You know what I mean? We're putting the meat on it. And once they, once they know that we can do whatever, but it was so beautiful to watch them grow from that pilot to that finale, even Pat as an actress. Like once I saw, I remember seeing that finale for the first time when it was all cut together and just watching her and being like, she's making choices. Like she is making choices. Like she is, she, I can see her in a monologue in her head and I can see, like, you can tell when she's just not, she's not just being Pat. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, no, she's actually taking this seriously. She's actually she's actually thinking about what this character in this scene is doing in this therapy scene and how it connects to this moment with Denise at the end. Like you can just see all of that. And it's so beautiful to watch her just like grow and all of them just grow in the chemistry. Just just be like a tennis match. You could tell like Miss Pat. The week after you all came back from shooting 
was so depressed. <laughs> like she didn't want she Dion, she didn't want to fuck with us at all. She was like, you guys aren't my real family. <laughs> like the, the, the weeks after you guys came back in person podcast, she was just for a couple of weeks, just like palpably missing everybody. Like, you know, that feeling like if you go to summer camp and you come back and you're like, fuck, I don't want to be in real life. I want to go back to summer camp with my friends. You know, it was nigga. You the only one here went to summer camp. fuck are you talking about (laughs) i went to church camp i chose summer camp hoping you know i know we was at home (laughs) i can't i went to bbs i went went to yeah right you know the string around the cross thing no i mean it was it was very clear how much she like really missed you know everybody because it builds such a good friendship with everybody really good cat like a bonding thing you know they're all in a group chat she's talking to them instead of us you know it was it, i was jealous it's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, you know it, you spent what nine ten weeks with people and you really started to bond and it was so much fun on that set you know it, i look forward to getting up and you know, seeing what the drama Jordan had going on a day. And <laughs> if he came to your trailer, it was some shit going down. <laughs> oh, he had them change the strip and oh Lord have mercy. But I just I just missed that whole thing. And then once I got home and I was like, oh, I think what it was, I just didn't want to be in Indiana. Mm. That's what it was. I just didn't want to be there. You know, I was telling my husband, hey, I'm going to Atlanta work on my set. I'll be back. And you know. I just realized I really miss being in Atlanta. So I do miss my cast too, but I do. I, I'm over it now, but I, I miss being in Atlanta. So, you know, it's just shit like but, that. But before so. we go, uh, people have, like nine people have asked me the same question. Your wardrobe. Did you pick it out? Did you get to keep it? Can you talk about wardrobe? Jordan picked out a lot of stuff that I wore, believe it or not. He was like, uh-uh, take that out. Like that black striped sweater. I was like, I look like a fat-ass piece of shit. And he's like, <laughs> no, you don't. I was like, take me off this shit. And he was like, trust me. I didn't look bad in it. I mean, after I see it on the street, I said, like, oh, I look kind of cute in that motherfucker. I just got an extra round somewhere. But uh, I didn't get to keep it. So I tried to steal most of that shit, but no, they kept it. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of stuff, everything I put on, Jordan had to say, that's fine. And I was like, look, don't ask me, ask Jordan. I'm just here to fucking do what Jordan asked me to do. So they, Jordan signed off on the hairdos and the outfits for me. And no, I wish I could have kept them. Jordan, can you talk about the, the, the process that you went through picking out clothes and for each episode, was there a formula you had for it or was it just um, not necessarily it was it was it had a lot to do with just mood and whatever was going on in the episode uh, and how it's it's funny clothes really do speak and 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 uh, we had a great costume designer her name is Jacqueline and um, she you know she, if she would like go to the shop have the shoppers go out bring a whole bunch of stuff but like I'm, I'm very big on like the wardrobe has to match the story. Um, in a way, like somewhat, like I love the HBCU references, like the uh, Clark Atlanta University, the Alabama State University, like having having those kind of drop in because they used to do that a lot in the '80s and the '90s sitcoms, which we both wanted to kind of bring back. Um, so that, as well as like Denise's rest in peace shirts, which like I want her to have like a different rest in peace shirt at least. 
for a season and we never we never know the story behind them you know what i mean <laughs> you just always knowing the nigga who died you know <laughs> like, that's like, the question that i've been asked the most is what's the deal with those shirts and then a like why why do black people make the rest in peace shirts is one question somebody asked me last night like hell if i know well that story came out of and i i, I think you could agree I don't know, Joy, if you can agree. Because my daughter-in-law, I told Joy, and I was like, my fucking daughter always got on rest in peace shirt. Yeah. And she would be pregnant. I was like, stop putting them dead people's on my grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> and so it would be a grandmama, uncle, cousin. I'm like, how many fucking rest in peace shirts do you have? So Joy was like, Joe was like, well, why don't we put Tammy on rest in peace shirt? I said, it's the most niggerish <laughs> shit. And so, <laughs> it really is. It really so he came up with, Rest in peace, Momo. Keep your head up. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how would they keep their head up? <laughs> Somebody said, well, did anybody know the seven rest in peace? <laughs> keep your head up if you did. I fucking howl. But it was a, like a little piece of drop in comedy that I was just, I wasn't even telling them for coming. I was like, I'm just sick of these fucking rest in peace shirt. And he came up with that, that whole little thing and said, oh, how funny would it be? We don't ever address it, but we just drop them on Tammy. And I didn't think people would notice them because nobody really noticed them in the pilot. But everybody's just noticed them this week. Mm-hmm. Like, have y'all seen Tammy with the rest of the shirt? They've watched it nine times. You should add like Nikea and like her real family and friends to the rest in peace shirts to see if I anybody knows anybody who's still alive because I'm there. I'm very like superstitious. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are people though. Okay. <laughs> Dead people. But like, but like it's I love I love doing like visual jokes like that, like things that we never have to we never have to mention. Like if you if you watch the pilot, I don't know if you'll notice it, but like behind the um behind the principal, it says school of excellence, but it's spelled with three O's. Like it's like little bitty gag shit. I just I just like playing with people like that. So if you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you don't. Or like for instance, like with Tommy Davidson's episode when he's flying off and you hear him say "Trey," <laughs> it's a nod to the Proud family because that was his character Oscar Proud, and that was his catchphrase "Trey," uh, calling his wife. So like I just love I just love putting little nuggets in there. Yeah. So you and that's why you have to pay attention because you you I mean you laughing and that's why I tell people you might want to go back and watch it a second time because you might catch other little things. There ain't like no might about old, it. You do want to go watch it a second time. Absolutely. And third, yeah. And you will catch little nuggets. A little, like, where the fuck that come from? You know, people are like, I watched it for the second time, and that's when I noticed her shirt. Because yeah. I was wondering, is anybody ever gonna notice these fucking rest in peace shirts she got on? Yeah. And then somebody was like, oh, give a shout out to the HBCUs. I'm like, oh, they noticed that we put the HBCUs, which is Black Colleges, Chris, on on the daddy. <laughs> Do it, Chris. Do it. I I learned that when I got rejected from from uh, Spellman. I understand. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're you rejected to a man. <laughs> Let me- <laughs> it's an all girl school, nigga. <laughs> I know I was very confused at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you think, did you take? Did you think that lesbian look was going uh, food black women as family? I was just trying to fill diversity quotas. <laughs> Not with a dick. <laughs> you got a white dick. Hello, my name is Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like white chicks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so y'all guys keep watching um hopefully we get a second season we have not gotten a second season yet our fingers and toes and vagina lips are crossed um dicks too it's three dicks on this thing so I'm i don't sure think your crossed. vagina lips are supposed to cross <laughs> or swell or not like that i don't know or look like lobsters <laughs> right and why can't they look like lobsters because they grab it. It's not, they are claws. Little shop of horrors down there. Sometimes you got to take the dick into your own hand. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to get the fuck out of here. We know Chris Jackie's dick, y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of The Pat Down. Make sure you check out my website at misspatcomedy.com for all of my social media my tour dates my book make sure you spread the word about my podcast please rate and review please rate and review and share thank y'all so much y'all i've been miss pat